This is the Sound the Foghorn Podcast. Fiala intercepts again, trying to find the handle on it. He does, he scores! What a play by Fiala! Your number one podcast for the Minnesota Wild. Now I'm proud to select with the ninth pick in the 2020 draft from the Ottawa 67s of the OHL, Marco Rossi. Covering their prospects, the NHL, AHL, news, advanced stats, and much more. Sets up Molino, back to Boldy, shoots, and scores! The BC Kid returns home and scores his first. Goes to work for the Wild, centers one, Erickson Eck with a shot, he scores! Jewel Erickson Eck, he's the hero. Poked away Kaprizov, in for a chance to win it, he scores! And now, here are your hosts, Brett Marshall, Zeke Boyat, and Justin Buck. Welcome in to Sound the Foghorn. Brett Marshall joined, as always, by Zeke Boyat and Justin Baki. Wednesday, January 19th, just after 8 o'clock at the time of this recording. By the time you're hearing this, it's a good chance it's probably Friday morning or late Thursday night. So if any of the information we bring you tonight is a little outdated, that's why. But other than that, uh, great show on tap. Got some exciting wild games to talk about, good news to talk about. Just a nice change of pace for kind of, you know, through the month of December and early January. It wasn't always great news, but some good news tonight. But before we get mm-hmm. into all that, the weekly check-in with the pals. Zeke, how you doing tonight, my friend? I'm doing good. Not much uh, too exciting different happening over the last week or so. But just like you said, been a few fun games. Uh, I went to the game last Friday, which was a good time. And uh, just been hanging out, just doing stuff around the house today and the other day. So, yeah, I'm doing good. Excellent to hear. And Justin, what about you? Oh, doing good. Uh, my day, off, my one day off of the week today. I had to take the youngest to uh, his doctor appointment. And I've been kind of dinking around trying to find my oldest uh, a summer clinic for hockey because he's absolutely loving it. So I want to keep him on the ice. And then Recommendations welcome. Yes. That's probably the reason I said this. Recommendations, <laughs> please. Because we're trying to find a, a, a one that kind of maybe goes through the summer, one that's kind of in our budget. But the right one will come along. And then uh, got my new Marcus Foligno fan club t-shirt, so I'm doing nice. good. Ready to talk hockey. Yeah, <laughs> just in time for the uh, for the reunion of the Grief Squad. I'll, I'll, if everything goes well from now until yeah. uh, until Friday evening in Chicago. Um, on road, yes. Yeah. So let's jump right into things here. It was kind of a busy and exciting week in the PHF. Um, we'll start with probably the biggest news. Um, you know, probably one of the biggest wins in. And women's hockey history here with a $25 million investment from the PHF's Board of Governors um, into just the growth and support of these of these women athletes um, covering, you know, increasing the salary cap up to $750,000 per team next season, giving them medical benefits, paid maternity leave, like all of these things that, you know, have been kind of been wanted in women's hockey for a long time. That investment is finally there. So just from your perspective, having worked with these teams, these players, these athletes in the past, just give us a scope of kind of like the magnitude and what this means for the players and the organizations. Yeah, it's huge. I mean, $25 million is not a small chunk of change. So to to have the board of governors of the, the current teams, um, you know, willing to invest and and show that these athletes, you know, you guys need this, you guys deserve it, you guys are worth it. That's all you can really ask for it from anyone that's investing in in uh in the federation. Um I think from a player side, I've seen on social media, you know, they're just ecstatic about, you know, they get all these benefits that they may they haven't really had before, you know, better facilities, more training options. Uh, you mentioned paid maternity leave. I know a lot of the Whitecaps players when I was uh, with the team were talking about, you know, how long can they play without, you know, risk putting off a family or how 
many months will they have to take off once they have start having family uh, obligations, things like that. So it's huge. Um, yeah, I mean, and, and the biggest thing there is $750,000 per team. That's like one step closer to these athletes being full-time professional hockey players, which is everything that anyone who's been a part of women's hockey since the beginning has wanted. Yeah, absolutely. It's just great to see. And then another big piece of that announcement too was I believe, I think as soon as next year or two years out, they're looking to add two more teams to the PHF to grow it from six teams, obviously with the Toronto Six being the latest expansion team, to two more teams It sounds like potentially Montreal and I think maybe Seattle as potential locations. Um, have you heard any other? I don't know if there's announced where that's going to be, but do you have any inkling or just kind of where those might be and just kind of the impact growing to two more teams will have in the league as well? Yeah, two more teams. Um, I, I believe it's as early as next season. So we'll we'll see eight teams in the PHF, one of them, as you mentioned, in Montreal, which is awesome, um, you know, expanding in that Canadian market. Um, I think from my end, I, I would love to see a team, you know, more – in this Midwest area, maybe Chicago, Detroit, um, someplace that makes the Minnesota athletes not having to you know, <laughs> always travel out east and right. and give their families more opportunities to watch them play without flying across the country. But absolutely, um, yeah, as you mentioned, like Seattle has a really strong market for women's hockey there, and obviously the success of the NHL franchise has you know probably bolstered the women's hockey game there as well. Um, I know people online have been, you know, wanting to see a team in DC or Philly. I think all of those options are really great. Um, but personally, I'd love to see something more in this Midwest area. Yeah. Maybe something to develop a rivalry for the Whitecaps too. Um, it's fun to have that old, like weird, like college hockey, Minnesota, Boston rival, but I think to have that, that regional rival and like you said, some games in our own time zone, um, and not halfway across the country would be excellent. So yeah, just a huge announcement this week from the PHF. Congrats to the women, to the teams um, that continue to put on great events and, and great games and, and get this high-level talent. Um, the way they've marketed it through Twitch, making it available through ESPN+, Plus. the way they've just grown this women's game that we've just seen continue to explode kind of over these last probably five years or so to, to be growing your league out to eight teams is really cool. Um, when you look around you know, other sports, just outside the WNBA, you just don't see other women's sports really growing quite the level that hockey is, which is so, so great to see. So congrats to all those. Um, the other probably notable bit of league-wide, um, you know, buzz this, this past week was the, uh, the ECHL all-star game. So two steps down from the NHL, it's basically the farm team for AHL teams, um, but still has NHL drafted players participating and stuff in it. And some PHF players got the opportunity to kind of participate in their all-star game, um, which is a pretty cool. I believe they actually like might have played in the games themselves versus just a skills competition. So I didn't get a chance to watch it, but just another really cool opportunity for, for a lot of these women and to continue to grow the game in another unique way. Yeah, it was super cool. Um, Allie Thunstrom from the Whitecaps was a part of it. And uh, I think part of it was facilitated by, you know, uh, the Whitecaps owner, one of them, his name is Andy Skirto, and he, uh, is a part of the ECHL as an owner there as well. So, you know, it's it's great to have cross league, uh, you know, connections and, and ways that we can get the women uh, and these athletes in front of more fans. And um, you know, I think Allie posted on her on her socials either yesterday or a few days ago of, you know, I'm still here. It was super fun, and I have all my teeth. So, because you know, in the women's game, they wear a full mask and. Uh, in in the ECHL they don't obviously wear full masks but yeah super fun and um I haven't had a chance to talk to Allie but I'm sure that uh she'll say that she had a, a great experience and um you know there were PHF players there but there were also PWHPA players there and uh to see both organizations coming together and um being able to highlight the women's game in that way at the ECHL is is huge too yeah just really cool to see and great to hear that the Whitecaps, you know, owner had a hand in that too and just really continuing, you know, all the tension out east with the teams, but good here in old the state of hockey. Um, you know, it's it's great to see that coming locally too. 
Um, speaking of the state of hockey, one of our biggest days um, of the year is upcoming Hockey Day Minnesota. Not to be forgotten with everything going on here. The, our Minnesota Whitecaps are back in action uh, out east against the Buffalo Buttes. Um, just give us kind of a quick preview of what what we might be looking at uh, with the Buttes and the Whitecaps uh, getting back to action. Yeah, it'll be the first time the Whitecaps have you know hit the ice in a while. Um, Almost a month, more than a month. December nineteenth was the last uh, last game they played. So crazy. Yeah, it, I mean they're looking like the Wild with their schedule too. Seriously. Um, no, it's also the first time that uh, they'll be seeing the Buttes. Um, you know the earlier weekend slate of games being uh, postponed due to weather uh, back in December. Um, but I think it'll be good to for, for them to get their, their legs back under them and, um, you know, get back in that game mindset for the finishing up the, the rest of the season here. Um, I think Buffalo has uh, been a good team from what I've seen so far. They have, um, you know, 16 goals in seven games and, averaging just just over two goals a game, which is awesome for them, and, and congrats. But uh, the Whitecaps, I think we need to pick it up here and hopefully get some more uh, goals going. We're a little low, you know, with 11 goals in eight games. So it's a little tough, but um, like I said, I think it, it'll be good for them to get their legs back under them. Yeah, like kind of looking at both teams' schedules, it seems like it has a chance to be a very exciting kind of weekend series with – both teams playing a lot of close games, not finding the net maybe as much as they'd like. Both kind of coming in, looking to snap some losing streaks. Um, should be should be a really exciting weekend um, of games for them. Yeah, I think uh, no one really expected the Whitecaps to be in the position that they are this season. I think in the same vein, no one really expected Buffalo to be where they are. So it's a it's a lot closer of a matchup than you would maybe think in past looking at past years and, and the results from past years. So um, I'm really excited to see how the team fares. And obviously, you know, being a part of hockey day, even though they're on the road this year, um, it's, it's always important to, you know, at least be playing on that day and be a part of all the news that's going on with um, everything that happens on hockey day. Absolutely. And just last thing here before we let you go, um, of course, your work with the Minnesota Wild. Anything you want to tease or, or hint at heading into Hockey Day from the Minnesota Wilds and on, on anything we can look forward to, um, anything like that before we uh, turn you loose? Um, I mean, I think it's just going to be a good weekend of games. Obviously, they're playing in, uh, in Chicago tomorrow night, um, but then back home against Chicago on Saturday. So it'll be good, you know, first time that they're playing Chicago and a long time. Um, but I think overall everyone is just really excited to, you know, have a part in hockey day and have that, uh, tradition back, you know, for another year. Um, it'll, it'll be good. I'm excited to see how everything turns out, uh, in Mankato. I've seen the couple pictures of the stadium and it looks really awesome. And I'm sure it's going to be, you know, as great as it always is. Yeah, great city, Mankato. Uh, no, no bias from a former alum uh, or an alum, not a former alum, but no bias whatsoever. Great city, great school. <laughs> um, well, I think that's about all we all we have for you for today, Sam. So thanks a bunch for joining us. Um, congrats again to the PHF, their huge announcement. Best of luck to the Whitecaps this weekend in Buffalo, and uh, we'll uh, talk to you uh, next week and hopefully have some uh, good updates again on the Whitecaps. Yeah, fingers crossed. Thank you. As always, thank you to Sam for the update on everything Whitecaps, PHF. Great news for that for that league, and uh, we'll keep tabs on what that means for that league moving forward. Um, but moving on with our show, up next, as always, is the prospect update. So we'll uh, move it over to Justin here uh, for the latest on what's happening with the prospects. It was a pretty busy week, finally. Yeah, it, uh, we got quite a few prospects doing well. Uh, I kinda, I'll start off with Josh Piller. He had been out of the Kamloops uh, lineup. I was really unsure why it had been a couple games at least and come to find out he was traded from Kamloops to Saskatoon because he has a private medical situation going on. Um, not sure what it is because it's private, but just kind of wishing, hoping for the best for him. want him to get healthy so we can get back on the ice. Well, like what I had read from it, it seemed like it was a family member back home. Yeah. 
I think, and I believe they traded him back to Saskatoon so he could be close to said family uh-huh. member. Was I, I think is how I interpreted it. Gotcha. Well, I could well whatever the situation is, I'm, I, that's pretty awesome that they're able to do that for him. Yeah. Be able mm-hmm. to trade him back to his home home area. So, yep. But other than that, uh, Jesper Wallstead's back from, I guess he was on COVID protocol. Maybe he was one of the ones that got at World Juniors, whatever, whatnot. But he's won his last two starts up to 10-8-2 record, which isn't great, but his numbers don't – I mean, his numbers are telling of what he really really does. He just doesn't get goal support. He's got a 195 goals against average, 918 save percentage. Not too bad. But uh, 15 of his 20 starts, he's allowed two goals or less. And 19 out of 20, he's allowed three or less. So pretty good for a teenager playing in a men's league. Mm-hmm. Yeah, definitely. Uh, yeah. And then a few others that had a good weekend. Pavel Novak had a six-point weekend. Three goals, three assists, two games. He was our uh, Minnesota MNW Young Guns uh, prospect of the week. I almost screwed that up and said what the old name was. <laughs> It'll take some adjusting. No. Yeah, well, <laughs> uh, he's having an excellent season though. Forty points in twenty-nine games now. <clears throat> Excuse me. Yeah, I think uh, I think just quickly interrupted there, Justin. But uh, I think Scott Wheeler, when he had him on a year ago, he was. Uh, I think he was a guy that said he thinks he might take a while, but he, you know, it seems like he might be a guy that's hopefully worthy of getting that ELC to at least, you know, give some chance to work with the, the staff down in the minors and such. So it's good right. to see him doing well. Absolutely. It'll be cool. To, it'll be cool to see if he ends up signing his AHL deal. Cause he is 20 and, and that's about okay. the point where he can sign a, a deal from mm-hmm. the WHL to. Yeah. And I did look up the Pilar thing and Justin, you were completely right. It is his own medical condition. Is it? Okay. All the best to him. Yeah. Whatever that may be. Yep. Hopefully back on the ice soon. Yep. I'd imagine yeah. if he got traded to another team that he still intends to play. So that's that's yeah. that's my hope. Mm-hmm. Right. Uh, Caden Bank here, his uh, former teammate for Kamloops, had a good uh, weekend. Four points in two games, uh, one goal, three assists. That Kamloops team is bonkers. Him on and top Logan of- Stankoven, yeah. man. Man. Yeah. My draft. Still, still, well, still geeking been. on him for a while. <laughs> I love you, Carson Lambos, but <laughs> yes. And speaking of Carson Lambos, he had a good weekend. He played one game, but <laughs> two goals, one assist. He was the first star of the game versus Moose Jaw, which is Damon Hunt's team. Uh, Damon Hunt is back from injury, and uh, I think he picked up assist his last game. So far, his game tonight, it's in the second period. His team's up 6 to nothing. He has one assist through that one. So that will be updated on the, on the page before this show comes out. <laughs> Uh, Ryan O'Rourke played in the game as well. One goal, two assists. So he's he's having a good season. I think he's up to over a point per game right now. And just <clears throat> I'm ready to see him in the AHL too because he's mm-hmm. pretty much dominating in that league. I'd like to see him and Hunt really yeah. play for Iowa. Uh, and then Iowa, the, uh, their last three games within the past week or so, they've picked up a couple wins. They beat... Chicago twice. The first game, they won 4-3. to three. Nick Sweeney ended up scoring the game-winning goal. Uh, second game was a 3-2 to two overtime win. Rossi picked up the game-tying goal. Eric Stahl, you know, what a great uh, pickup, number two overall pick. Yeah, tell me more about this Eric Stahl guy that we picked up. This dude seems like he's just killing it in Iowa. Yeah, I'm going to bet he's a future 1,000-gamer Hall of Fame type player, maybe. Might win a cup or something, but he scored the game-winning goal in that one. Maybe score <laughs> just an arbitrary number here, like forty-two goals one season for the Wild. Yeah, maybe. <laughs> we'll see. Uh-huh. We'll see what happens. <laughs> <laughs> and then they lost their last game, three nothing to Milwaukee. They're actually playing tonight. That'll be updated on the page before the show comes out too. But they're losing two nothing to yeah, Manitoba. Check. Yeah. Oh, sorry. So, no, you're good. Yeah, they're losing two nothing, and uh, yeah, that's all I have for the update right now. All right. Well, yeah, busy week, but good to hear a lot of those. You know, hope prospects really hopeful about continue to play well in their respective leagues, and obviously you want to be cautious because you know we've seen the Alexander Havanovs, the Dmitry Sokolovs mm-hmm. of the world. Where, you know, they do dominate that junior league. It's tricky to take the next step, but there's reason for optimism, which is what we preach on mm-hmm. this show. We're optimists here. We're not your typical <laughs> Minnesota sports. Everything is going to be bad podcast. So, no. Um, and the good thing about a lot of these kids, I think they have a. I don't want to knock Havanov too bad. I mean, maybe I do. Whatever. These guys are pretty uh, motivated and, you know, kind of gone through injuries or stuff that, that makes them want to uh, be even more motivated, kind of like the Rossies and the Lambos. And you yeah, see we, these guys 
And we've heard from Garen and Brackett, too. That's been a focus of their draft. That's not only skill, but also character. So I don't know if that was maybe a dig at the Havanovs and Sokolovs of the world, but uh, potentially maybe a minor one. But, yeah, that's an excellent point that we have, that that the character and and the drive is there for these guys. So continue to do well. Uh, We're keeping an eye on you. Um, Moving right along here, tonight's analytics segment. I I apologize. I did tease doing a Matt Zuccarello thread last night, but I figured it'd be better – Hashtag content for the podcast instead. So uh, just just some stats on uh, Matt Zuccarello, um, who's quietly been like fantastic. I mean, I don't know if it's been too quietly, but I think at times it's been, you know, overshadowed by the great production of Kirill Kaprizov or the breakout year from Ryan Hartman or the debuts of Marco Rossi and Boldy or the injuries or what have you. But um, through 29 games, Matt Zuccarello averaging almost 29 Almost 20 minutes a night, 19.59 average time on ice a game. He's got 11 goals, 21 assists. 16 of those are primary assists. So that's 27 of his 32 points um, as primary points on the year, which is a pretty darn good percentage. Um, If you math whizzes out there, that's uh, 1.1 points per game. Um, Goals, assists, and points would all be on pace for uh, career highs right now. Um, Those 11 goals have come on 67 shots, which is a... uh, Eye-opening 16.4% shooting percentage was pretty darn good. Um, and, like, just thinking back to the goals he has scored, like, it doesn't feel like he's getting, like, lucky bounces or backdoor tap-ins. I mean, they've been, like, good shots, and, you know, mm-hmm. big goals too. So mm-hmm. I'm not saying 16 isn't sustainable. It might not be sustainable. But, again, I mean, the way that line's turning, they just seem to be defying the laws of regression, um, especially Mr. Uh, Ryan Hartman. <laughs> Uh, with that insane plus minus, which is a stat I don't have to talk about, but um, when you're leading the league in it, it's something worth noting. Um, in addition to those 67 shots, 20 high danger chances for, he's only taken one minor penalty in 29 games. So maybe Matt Zuccarello is a little bit of a sneaky Lady Bing candidate yeah. as well. Uh, he's drawn six penalties, uh, leads the Wild in expected war, which is evolving hockey's model, uh, 1.7. Uh, ahead of both uh, Kaprizov and Erickson Ekwu at 1.4, uh, and a 29th best among all NHLers every position, and then by uh, Dom Lushijin's, uh GSVA model 2.7, uh, which is second on the Wild, only behind Kaprizov's 3.8 among all the forwards. That's just kind of the raw stats. The underlying numbers good as well. Uh, all these, of course, even strength numbers. He's got a 52.83% Corsi four plus 29 shot differential, plus 19 goal differential. Uh, which is ninth best in the NHL among all forwards who have played at least 400 minutes. Um, Hartman's plus 31, as mentioned earlier, leads all those forwards. And then a, uh, a nice 53.8% expected goals percentage as well. And then the other notable thing is just like he makes Kirill Kaprizov better. Uh, just some quick yeah. stats with and without uh, Zuccarello uh, Kaprizov. So together they have almost 300, just shy of 360 minutes together at even strength um, in that time. 55% uh, percent Corsi for Kaprizov without Zuccarello has 52.33, so you're lower there. They have a plus 17 um, goal differential when playing together. Kaprizov without Zuccarello, just a plus one. And then what's really noticeable is that expected goals department, 55.73 when Kirill and Zuccarello are together. When Kirill is without Zuccarello, that drops below 50% to 46.37. And then uh, Zuccarello without Kaprizov has pretty similar numbers. So they definitely feed off each other. The chemistry between them is undeniable. So just wanted to give some recognition to Matt Zuccarello, who, as I mentioned, is on pace for a career year. And I think had you told Wild fans maybe a year and a half, two years ago, that, hey, and you know, in, in 2021-22, Matt Zuccarello is going to explode, be over a point-per-game player, and that Paul Fenton signs look a hell of a good deal. I think a lot of Wild fans would have laughed at you out the door. Well, I mean, yeah, I remember we, uh, a lot of people talked the first year was, how are we going to find a way to get rid of his deal somehow, attach yeah. picks to get rid of him, and it's like that. I mean, you just you can't uh, predict chemistry like that. But like you said, I mean, everyone thought, you know, oh, he's looking like he did when he was with the Rangers. I mean, as you said, Brett, he's – playing better than when he was with the Rangers yeah. in a lot of ways. So it's, it's pretty impressive at the age of 34, too. Yeah, absolutely. I, I don't have much more to add. I was going to mention the uh, maybe Paul Fenton was right about this. <laughs> and, and, and I do uh, – forgive me if I, I was the one of the ones bashing the contract at the time. It really well, I, didn't think make I, I think everyone was guilty of it because yeah. it, it didn't look good right. at all. I mean, it was basically no, it like after it happened, it was kind of like this is, you know – Fenton didn't get anybody else, so he had to make this signing to kind of save his ass, which other things yeah, happened down the road work. that 
didn't save his ass <laughs> anyway. But I mean, that was kind of the attitude, I think, universally. Yeah. Yeah. Sure. Man, who knew he would <laughs> have such a chemistry with Kaprizov when he came over? And, and yeah. uh, I don't want to say dare say he's underpaid, but maybe the contract is well worth what he's making. Just yeah, Absolutely he's thirty four, yeah. but man, he's just I mean Kaprizov mm-hmm. are unreal together. Yeah, and I think you even I mean you even hear them both talk about just how they feel like they see the ice similarly. They just seem to know where mm-hmm. each other are. Um, and we'll get to the Anaheim game here in a little bit, but just that one goal. I think it was, I believe it was the Anaheim game where Kaprizov just skates in the corner, has like oh, two yeah. guys, and does this no look backhand pass, yeah. and it's right on Zuccarello's tape. He's just sitting there waiting for the one timer. It's just like, how, like how do those two do it? Like other teams got to be like, we can't defend this because you right. can't. And you look yeah. at plays like earlier in the year with the little give and go behind the net on the five on three. There's no way to stop mm-hmm. that. I mean, and mm-hmm. we've, I've even seen them kind of like try to run that play again. And teams kind of have learned it. They defend it, but then it leaves you open up, opens up space up top. So it's just been great to see, you know, Zuccarello just among one of the many wild players this year to, to really just mm-hmm. find his find his stride and, and really be on pace for a career year. Yeah, you kind of wonder how much, like, you know, he just went over the Kaprizov with Zuccarello without him, how much he played into maybe him winning Calder and then being the player he is just – 33 points to whatever in the last 19 games and then just everything you brought up just they make each other better it's it's just fun yeah and hartman just the perfect complimentary piece between those two guys just hey i'll uh you guys pass it on a circle i'll go to the net bang home rebounds when face off (laughs) you know play with pace play smart um throw my body on a little bit it just works i mean they're they're as legit of a top line as i think you find the nhl we saw him be big in that Colorado game, which uh, that's a nice transition here uh, into our next topic, which was the Colorado game, a wildly entertaining game from from start to finish. Um, the Wild, after getting just trounced in the first period because of a couple penalties, roared back with two great second and third periods. Um, late game heroics again after a questionable call, ended up losing the game in a shootout. But I think all things considered, you look at who they're missing to come out against a you know, Sands, the uh, Kemper leaving an injury, basically an entirely healthy Colorado team. It was a great effort to come out of that game with a point and, and nearly steal one um, as well. Yeah. I was waiting. I was waiting. <laughs> it was kind of the pause. And then we both went, <laughs> but no, it's kind of one of those things where you wonder what this team can do against Colorado when we are fully healthy. Like you mentioned, like we had no Eck, no Spurgeon, no Brodin, no Talbot, no Bugestead. Who knows if Bugestead will be part of the lineup from here on forward or what they'll do with guys like Dewar. But we put a hell of an effort and didn't look that out of place against this team. Just, I thought we were going to end up pulling it off the way we were playing the last mm-hmm. couple periods, but, yeah, I did miss the first period because I was at work, but I, I was kind of listening to, to it. Miss. Yeah, it was. <laughs> when, they, when they took the two penalties and it was five on three, I was like, I just knew Colorado was going to score at least one because their power play is so good. Like, I don't know if they lead the league in power play percentage, but I think they lead in power play goals scored. It's it, it's hard to stop that that team when they're yeah. up a player too. And, I mean, the, the thing is that, uh, I mean, you watched McKinnon had that – one chance in the first period when he uh, the captain made a great glove save, but you know those those type of players and they have multiple on their team like him and McCarr and Renton and it's it's hard to stop because when they want to do something they pretty much can go ahead and do it, uh, especially when they got Jordy Ben skating back and I you know was probably shivering every time McKinnon was skating <laughs> up the ice in that game and you see oh it's number eight instead of uh, you know twenty four or or, or forty six or whatever but yeah no obviously that was the issue I mean. You know, they weren't playing great in the first period before those two penalties, but, you know, if they hadn't taken those, you know, been a little undisciplined, kind of lost their composure a little bit, they probably would have gotten, you know, out of that period just tied or maybe even down one. And, yes, there was some, you know, there was some luck. They hit a couple posts, but, uh, you know, Katkin did what he's been doing recently. Uh, over the last probably, you know, seven, eight games, he kept him in that game there in the first period. And I think, uh, you know, because I think if they give up another goal there, you know, you're you're obviously getting really in tough, and then obviously it was it was huge to get the the Fiala goal about ten seconds into the second period to really yeah. just give the team some life. Yeah, and to put in perspective, if you didn't get to watch the game at even strength in the first period, Wild out attempted twenty two to nine, 
If you switch that to all situations, I would attempt in the period 31 to 9, including the power plays. Shots were uh, 16 to 8 in favor of the Avs. They had a 73% expected goals percentage, 2.17 expected goals in the first period of the Wilds, 0.77. And from that point out, it was all Minnesota, um, where they take over with a 12 to 8 second period shot advantage. Um, 74% of the expected goals in the second period, 1.59 expected. That goes to 1.1 in the third. They just flipped the switch um, and just found a way to battle back, which, I mean, I saw that first period. And I'm like, man, without Eck, Brodeen, or Spurgeon, yeah. it doesn't seem like we can stop that top line. And somehow they figured it out. They were by far and away the better team at even strength that entire game. Um, I think every player except for, um, I believe it was Greenway and Ben, at even strength, had a uh, positive expect or had a yeah a positive expected goal share, which um, about <laughs> to be expected. Greenway and Ben, yep, the guys yep. that usually seem to be liabilities were the ones that got preyed <laughs> on a little bit. Callan Addison, I believe, was somewhere in the realm of like an eighty percent expected goal share, which is just great against the Avalanche yeah. of all teams. I don't mm-hmm. know, you know, I don't know if he was getting a lot of the McKinnon liner or what, but I mean that that was one of those games too where watching Addison like the stats definitely like matched the eyes of what you saw because he looked just unbelievable um, mm-hmm. in that game, just finding open players, getting the puck up ice, making the right decisions, just continued maturity out of this kid. Who every every game just seems to be getting better and better and more and more comfortable. Yeah, no, I mean, I think, like you said, Brett, he was just, you know, obviously he was the quarterback basically on that first unit. Uh, you know, you know, not getting a ton of shots through, but it felt like when he was, they were, you know, smart and not just throwing the puck at the shin pads or throwing, you know, as we used to get angry with Ryan Suter for, just weak little wrist <laughs> shots from all the way up the blue line. And it, like, like you said, just that the puck movement ability was really on display. But, yeah, no, he, he was obviously very good. Sorry, this damn screen is having issues. Um, <laughs> okay, Justin, you can, if you have any thoughts, you can go. Sorry. Oh, no, you're good. Uh, um God, I forgot what I was going to say. That makes me laugh. Lost <laughs> <laughs> my train of thought. So I guess I'll just start with it. It's nice to, you know, kind of maybe jumping around, but nice to see. Uh, you know, obviously Kaprizov, he's our our star, and it's nice to see a player that in a big game can score the big goal. Like two goals against the Abs, and then they were both big goals. One was, I think, let's see, they're both game time goals. So. Yeah, I mean, and, and I don't know. And the first one, too. just a great play, shakes off yeah. the Eric Johnson check. That's what I was just gonna say. Find Zuccarello and then just, you know, reverse Ovi's it from the right dot instead of the left dot on a one timer. Like just, I mean, Eric Johnson's not a small guy in Caprice. Yeah, just like gave him the Miko Koivu like reverse yeah. hit. It was just, it was <laughs> awesome. I was trying to work my way to that, but I was yeah. like, it just shows you how strong he is. He's built like a, he looks small, but he's built like a brick shit house. But you know, just it's yeah. just like eh. if that guy's back is to you, you're not getting the puck from him. It's impossible. <laughs> I'm convinced. Nope. Yeah, he's just he's so strong. And his uh, his his selly game was strong in that game too, oh, especially man. on the tying goal, and he jumped into yeah. the glass with that. North, North Star with the North, yeah. North Stars fan guy, if you follow it, you know, oh. any of us on Twitter or something, we would love to to get you on for five minutes every talk about yeah. that. But I mean like I mean awesome. you could tell when you watched kind of the slow mo replay, Caprizov's kinda of skating into the the glass. I think like he has intent to jump into the glass. But the last mm-hmm. thing you can kind of see him spot this North the mm-hmm. guy in this North Star shirt, like intentionally <laughs> jumps in the glass with him and they're like mm-hmm. like you had to know the Avs fans were just livid, you okay. know. God oh, yeah. you know, this is probably what seven eight seconds you know it's less than a minute after nathan mckinnon scores which mm-hmm. seemed like a questionable goal i mean i think they made the right call we can debate about that all we want but i think in the end they made the right call but just a, an odd goal might be a good word mm-hmm. for it with with the puck getting kind of lodging kakinen's yeah. gear and never really seeing it on the replays we had right. but nonetheless it counts you know you feel deflated as the wild they just tied it now they lost it, and then they come out and just score this massive goal to send it to OT. Like it was just, it just reminds you why you love the Minnesota Colorado rivalry because those games mm-hmm. are just so much fun. Yeah, they are. Well, you know that is true, but uh, it also you don't like it for going in Russo's comments afterwards and seeing all these Avs <laughs> fans feeling the need to instead of commenting on their own beat writers article, who also does a great job, they got to come over and call Russo a whiner for pointing out what the coach is saying in the post game and all this, but yes, aside from that, uh, it was, it was a great game. And it's just always amazing how you, uh, 
you know, you almost expect them to tie it every time. Right. What is it like? A, you, I think you that just, was their 11th yeah. with the empty net. Insane. I think it's 12. I think it's up to 12 now. 12. Now I can't even keep track anymore. <laughs> <laughs> and what's and what's even more insane is that the fact that they're scoring six on five with even less ice out there. How can they not score on the power play ever? Right. It you doesn't make any ice, sense. You have more space. But maybe we should know, pull we'll, the goalie we'll, we'll more on the it. power play. Maybe. Let's go six <laughs> on four. Up. Pull him with half the game to go. Yeah. We can play eight minutes without him. So. Yeah, I don't know. Yeah, and then I guess like <laughs> yeah. the last takeaway from the game, I mean, obviously Matt Boldy picked up another assist in that game. Sweet awesome. little feed to Kevin Fiala. Oh my God. I think Zeke, as you did mention, they get that, you know, 11 seconds into the second period. And just like, yeah, it just Huge. kind of like, it made, it just washed a sense of relief. We're like, all right, you know, we got one back. Now we're in this thing. But just a sweet little dish. And, I, I, mm-hmm. I tweeted out the replay and I it said it was just such a little a little subtle play and I think um Mike Kelly, who I believe does reporting for TSN, I wanna say in Canada pointed this out too. But Matt Boley does such a good job of getting to the middle of the ice, drawing defenders, and that's creating so much space for Kevin Fiala. If you've kind of watched all the goals that Fiala I think it's three I think the the two goals Kevin Fiala scored with the primary assist to Boldy has been Boldy getting in the middle and then getting the puck to Fiala on the outside. And mm-hmm. we know Fiala can fly and that, you know, as soon as that defenseman crosses over to the middle to defend Boldy, Boldy's dishing that puck off to Fiala and that half a step is all he needs. And we saw that, you know, on the Fiala goal, it gets that one extra step. I think it was on Sam Gerrard and able to go around him, drive the far post and lift a little backhander over Darcy Kemper's glove. Like it's just such little things, but I mean, it's just so clear mm-hmm. that, uh, those two have chemistry, and I think I joked um, during the Anaheim game. I said uh, Matt Boldy may have saved uh, Kevin Fiala's career yeah, in Minnesota. Sorry, so um, a lot of you seem to agree, and I hope so. I like Kevin Fiala. I want I want Me Boldy too. and Fiala to keep playing together, uh, but we'll see what the offseason and, holds for that. They they, uh, they could have scored probably a couple times too in that overtime. I mean, if, if Alex Goligoski isn't standing in front of the net, Kevin Fiala has an easy tap in, I would think, for that winner. And, but it was it was fun to watch them too with. Well, then there was the. Are you talking about the one timer that he gave to Fiala? Yeah, it was. Yeah, it was yeah, wasn't it Felino yeah. that was out there? They have. Or maybe it wasn't, but. Which yeah. is weird to thinking about because that would be three forwards on the ice, wouldn't it? Yeah. Hmm. No, no, I, yeah, I must yeah. be getting around because I think it was. Yeah, I don't know. I don't know. But yeah, like way, I, was, I, they were good. Polish, don't ask me why, but I was checking out Dater's tweets after the game, and he, he <laughs> oh, said the God. replay he saw it, it. He said he thinks it hit whoever it was, either Felino or Golagoski, like it hit their skate, mm-hmm. and that's what deflected oh, it. God. I thought the replay I saw, I thought it looked like Francois actually may have gotten a, like the tip of his stick on it, but regardless, mm-hmm. like that goal, that puck was going in and it hit something on the way, and then got mm-hmm. caught on the outside of the net. Um, the last piece from, from this, and, and I want to talk about this a little bit because, Zeke, I think you and I might have a little bit differing opinions on it, was uh, the incident with Jordan Greenway and Darcy Kemper. Um, I believe it was in the second period. Um, personally, I think it was kind of a cheap play by Greenway. Um, from the replay, I saw it looked like he kind of looked right at Kemper. Um, you know, I never think, you know, a guy's trying to hurt someone or, you know, trying to hit a guy in the head, but Greenway definitely went in there yeah. with some intent to – to get a piece of Darcy Kemper, we know there's been some bad blood between kind of those former wild players and Kemper in the past. But, I mean, I, I don't think we can sit here and, you know, complain about a hit like Trent Fredericks where he's targeting a star player and then back up Jordan Greenway. I just – I don't find it any way defensible. Um, the fact that the league didn't even, you know, mention anything about it again is very odd because he went into concussion protocol. It looked to me like he hit him in the head and then he hit his head again on the ice. But um, it's just for, further – ammo in the chamber for the get rid of Jordan Greenway uh, bullet for me. So, Yeah, well, I mean, like you said, aside from, you know, him normally not really doing anything on the ice positive, but I don't know. I think, you know, I deleted the tweet. I think more originally I was just like a lot of fans. I just instant react to yeah. what I see without even Heal the moment, anything. right? And yes. And so, you know, my reaction is instantly flopped. Cause I also, it's, Maybe it's a little, I shouldn't always think this way, but for whatever, it seems a lot of times when goalies will get touched or when a guy will get within a foot of the crease, they do have a tendency to exaggerate a little bit. So I, you know, I was a little, you know, rushed to judgment there, but I guess I still disagree in the fact. I don't think he necessarily maybe tried to hit him in the head, but I also can, uh, I also, I mean, you can also kind of see that maybe he was at the very least, even if he wasn't trying to hurt him, trying to, either distract him or shake him up a little bit or, or get him off his game. Uh, because, you know, I bet Jordan Greenway probably knows the, from history with Kemper playing against him that, you know, he can kind of lose it if you get in his face. So yep. yeah, obviously not 
not great. You know, you know, it's something he went out of his way to do. Uh, didn't mean it. I mean, like I said, I personally didn't think uh, it was suspension worthy. I mean, maybe you know, if he gets fined, like even if five thousand dollars is you know ridiculously small amount to find these guys, I think that maybe would have been appropriate. But I mean, like you said, you can't expect the player safety department to you know actually do their job because they never do. In fact, it's surprising that they actually took Kemper out of the game because usually the concussion protocol doesn't really ever actually work depending on if it's a great player on your team they usually won't even take him out but yeah it was it was it was just uh it was just unnecessary and uh just well, that's more with him after me I, just, it, I didn't see like what, what the point of it was i don't know yeah was, you, no you'd already talk, you're like you already you already dominating the period and <clears> yeah it just He's just lucky that uh, McDermott had to ran after him and got off the bench and got a fight or whatever, because otherwise they'd have been down a man. So, yep. Yeah. I'll be honest, I I kind of missed it, but saw the tail end of the replay and I looked like Kemper dived, and then I did an instant tweet like Zeke did. Yeah. I deleted it <laughs> when I realized they went concussion protocols. Like, okay, maybe maybe it was actually hurt. I didn't like totally see the whole play, but you know, just. Seen the back end of it. I mean, it's on kind of a, not kind of. It was unnecessary to do that. It, I mean, he had no need to do that. <laughs> Come on, Greener, don't do it again. I, I don't want the reputation of the Wild yeah. being goons because that's especially what I love about that that grief squad line too. Is that they annoy the heck out of you and they hit the heck out of you, but they do it cleanly, right? Uh-huh. And I don't I don't want them sinking into you know this Ryan Reeves Matt Cook type of you know BS hits where they're hitting you trying to hurt you like I don't want that like hit you hard get in your face that's fine but then skate away the Wild aren't good when they're you know chasing from behind and have guys sit in the box for too long like just play your play your game keep your head let let the other teams get in the shenanigans and beat them on the scoreboard so yep especially yeah. when uh, Avs fans will already claim that the Wild are incredibly dirty despite. Uh, praising uh, Gabe, a certain Gabriel Landeskog like he's a god on the other team. But, you know. Well, they always so bring up, like, oh, you guys employed don't Matt Cook. Them. It's like, okay, first of all, none of us thought that knee was good. Yeah. Like, no, none of no. us wanted Matt Cook here. <laughs> no one was. Like, <laughs> we're not the GM. Lost. Like, we didn't – we cheered for no. our team, and he happened to be on it. Like, it's it's like Jordan Greenway. I, I don't really like him that much, but he's on my team, so I'm going to cheer for him, right? Like, you have to, yeah. <laughs> Or Victor yep. Rask, right? He's a perfect example. Yeah. Doesn't mean I like the guy. He's just he's part of my team. team. I cheer for the team. So, <laughs> um, yeah. So we, the transition just worked naturally there at the Addison in the game, but the uh, the Anaheim game did happen before the Colorado game um, on Friday night, and the Wild decided to do all the scoring um, and really break the game open when I walked into Taco Bell for three minutes to grab my <laughs> food. Um, that's what I get. I yeah. guess I should have stayed in there. I guess it's like, mm-hmm. like we were in the. I was with some buddies. We were uh, we were at the Gopher game fastest gopher game ever we were in and out of there in two hours um against alaska yeah. we're like we we're getting some food on the way home so like oh we got four of us in the car like we were listening to the game where he was like let's just go in and versus going to the drive-thru <laughs> and like i get there get my order waiting for the last person it's like pull up my phone i'm like and they've scored three times since we've walked inside in like the five minutes we've been in here <laughs> sweet yeah. you know what that means right <laughs> you're gonna have to do that every game uh, <laughs> yeah, don't you don't necessarily have to get that. anything Two there yeah but you have to walk into Taco Bell. <laughs> yeah, I'm just a just a sugar free Baja Blast. Yeah. It's the wild. Yeah, there you go. Yeah. <laughs> My little superstition here. Yeah. Leave me alone. <laughs> yeah. No, I mean, hey, like you said, that that game. I mean, I, I was obviously there watching, but that was just a that was one of those open offensive games where you know there wasn't a lot of. I mean, there was the fight and and that whole BS with the clean hit, but aside from that, it was just really open. Like all the skill guys on either mm-hmm. team, you know, were just doing their thing and i mean like like brett mentioned earlier caprice i've made that great pass to zuccarello and Ugh. like everson said that when when he shoots sometimes you walk you go uh you go like why don't you do that more because that was an absolute laser top love like you know it was off in a second goal he had no idea where the puck was and i mean obviously like we said earlier that that whole line was awesome you know i thought and, and brett you mentioned the matt boldy with great play to kevin fiala those two were great for the most part and uh, you know at the third period there i remember it was three to one and i said uh and i was saying you know i i want another goal because i'm i'm just not very comfortable watching like if they're not up by three or four i'm still pretty damn nervous <laughs> and you know i'm thinking all oh, this is going to collapse so i'm like i, I want to get up by three but you know then they score the one matt boldly scores then four seconds later matt zuccarello scored literally right out the face off uh, 
you know, Stolarz, to be honest, did not have a greatest night ever. That you know, he probably should stop that one. But either way, great shot. And Payback then, from the season opener when he seemingly stopped yeah. everything. I mean, I think the Wild won that game two to one, but it felt like they could have had like six goals that yeah. night. I know that was a classic. Uh, that was an old Wild getting stolen by a backup goalie kind of night. And yeah. but yeah, no, it was just it was awesome to see the uh, you know the quick burst of offense. Although after it was six to one and Anaheim scored those you know, those two goals uh, right after I had said, okay, now I can relax and not really care about the rest of the game. So I was no reverse jinx there. Thank God. But it, it was fun to just see all the offense, and the creativity. Mm-hmm. I'm going to bring some up kind of unrelated. It must be kind of cool for Baldy to play against guys like Zegras and new hook where he played with them with, you know, USA and played new hook at Boston college and kind of see those guys make it. It's gotta be pretty awesome for him. Yeah. I'm sure it's, you know, like, you know, when a guy like Kaprizov gets to play against a fellow rush and just kind of, uh-huh. you know, playing up with those guys that you admire right. in one way or another, it's always got to be fun. Or other players playing against former teammates and what have you, too. Yeah, definitely. I'm sure uh, Boldy and Newhook probably had some words for each other after the Wild yeah. Wolves game. But <laughs> they'll be seeing plenty of each other from here on out. I think yeah, they both, both should be, <laughs> I think, sure. big parts of, of their team's futures. So Yeah, I hope he's here to stay now. I mean, he certainly looks like he belongs. Yeah, I, yeah. I don't know how you can justify the boost he's brought to Kevin Fiala and just like he hasn't struggled. Um, mm-hmm. he, he did pull a power move. And uh, I talked about this with our good friend Hideki um, on, on Twitter and said, Oh, he hasn't been on the ice for, for a goal against yet. And Hideki pointed out, I was like, well, didn't he get burned on the, on the McKinnon goal? I went back and watched the replay. I'm like, yep, he got burned at the blue line and then smartly went off for a change to avoid well. the minus, <laughs> which I think, um, I think might've ended up with Connor Duar instead. So, um, Oh, okay. So, but <laughs> so me kind of has been on the ice for one goal against, but technically no. So, I just, yeah. I mean, he just he makes such smart plays. You can use him on the power play. I just like, I can't see this team getting fully healthy and going. You know what? We'd be better off, you know, putting either Victor Rask or Nick Bukestad in the place of Matt Boldy. Like, it just no, mm-hmm. it's not gonna happen. Yeah. Now, Connor Duar, on the other hand, maybe, maybe not. But, I mean, we've already seen him put Rask on waivers. Mm-hmm. We saw them wave Rem Pitlick. Like, I, I think that's that was the sign right there that Matt Boldy's not going anywhere. Right. Um, he, he belongs, and I, I don't think yeah. he's, he's mm-hmm. going to touch. Unless he has some, you know, hope this doesn't happen, you know, barring some serious injury where he needs, like, an AHL rehab stint or something to get going again. I don't see a world where Matt Boldy ever plays a game in Iowa again. No. I yeah. think, you know, even even more than that, I would think if, you know, as Russo has talked about a little bit this year, if there ever is down the trade deadline or sometime this year where they want to make a move to add another center, I think, you know, that would be the perfect line to get a guy in and there on. Because Freddie Goudreau, as Brett even said to someone on Twitter yesterday, you know, he's he can skate fine. And I think he said he's he's basically, you know, a better Rask, doesn't score really, but, you know, he's defensively responsible and skates fine. But I think if you were, it just would maybe excite me more if you could just get uh, one more good center on this team to fit on that line. And I think you'd have a, a, you know, you'd have, then you'd pretty much have three great lines that, you, you know, are good. Yep. Marco Rossi. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's, that's uh, just, I mean, I don't we can, know. we can cool, hope. But I just don't think. It's I, cool. Yeah, I know. That'll probably next year. <laughs> yeah. We've been over a while. Yeah. Um, I, I guess the other though, thing uh, from, oh, no, go, no, go ahead. I was going to switch topics. Oh, I was more quickly, this is, okay. Okay. Just uh, quickly, but I will say that yeah, I know ahead. everyone knows it, but Trevor Zegris is really fun to watch. Like the guy is, he's got, his hands are awesome. You know, he moves the puck really well. He scored, I think had an assist on one of those tip goals and scored another, but I just want to say he, like you guys mentioned with the U S national team players, he's obviously, you know, another great one. And all those that 2019 class, uh, you know, aside from Cole Caulfield destroying a little bit, has all they've all looked pretty good here the first couple of years of their pro careers. Yeah, and I, I'm attributing the uh, the Caulfield sophomore slump, if we'll call it that, more to Anaheim just being a tire fire right now than him. So, mm-hmm. I mean, that whole team is yeah. just in shambles. I mean, worse than right the Coyotes, now. yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> so. They're bad. I think he's they're actually bad. in COVID protocol now too. So, when they play Montreal, I don't know if they'll hmm. be on the ice together, Boldy yeah. and him. For sure. Well, another young player I want to talk about is Callan Addison. We talked about a little bit about how well he played in Colorado, but things are going to get interesting, I think, probably Saturday night when um, 
we'll really see the coaching staff have to make a big decision, I think, when um, Jared Spurgeon, it sounds like, hallelujah, should be back. Um, Saturday is kind of what Michael Russo seemed to be hinting at, which is excellent news for the Wild to get your captain back, your you know, your best probably all-around defenseman back on the team, but it means someone's got to come out, and it's going to be either one of Jordy Ben or Kalen Addison. Now, I think the three of us would unanimously agree that Jordy Ben goes right to the press box, but um, I just, <laughs> man, it just, it's so, like we talked about the Merrill extension, like there's just, there's so much cloud around the blue line now, and like I don't know how you can look like, at Kalen Addison, the way he's played, and go like, yeah, nah, we're we're good with you. Like, like what has Jordy Ben done that Kalen Addison hasn't? Or like, and I feel like Kalen Addison's done more. He's looked good on the power play. I'd mentioned mm-hmm. how like just good he was seeing the ice. Like Jordy Ben doesn't make those plays. Um, I, it, I'm just gonna be fascinated to see what they do. Um, come Saturday when Spurgeon is back. Well, it's not just the he was on power play one, wasn't he? Yep. So it's not just the power play. He's on the top unit, and, yeah. and it seems like. Mm-hmm. You know, he hasn't really looked too bad at all from, you know, his whole NHL time up. But you can just see his game is growing. His confidence is growing. He's looking better with each game. And he does bring more than Ben. Yeah, Ben has been pretty solid, you know, to fill in with these injuries and stuff. But, I mean, he was really signed mm-hmm. as a seventh defenseman. I, th- I, th- I think Addison has to be in there. I mean, he just looks like his, his game's continuing to grow and he's just getting better. You don't want to stint that. Yeah, and I – yeah, I obviously I agree with you guys too. I think Addison should be in there over Ben, but you know, kind of like Brett said, it just seems like they have a, a favor towards getting Jordy Ben in those minutes. I don't know if it's because they sat him basically in the press box for like the first month and a half of the season, and they felt like they when he had the chance they wanted to get him some games, or if it's just that you know he's the veteran, he has the more experience. When they got half their decor out, they they I guess maybe would rather have him in that more prominent role, especially when he's back. But I mean, like you said, he doesn't. I said he doesn't really bring much. I mean, he's had some okay games this year. Uh, you know, he's not consistently good every time. I mean, you know, whenever he has to play more than just the regular third pair of minutes, he kind of gets exposed. And obviously, like we said, Kalen Addison brings, you know, he's not obviously the biggest uh, defenseman in the world, but he brings all the offense and skating ability that, you know, Jordy Ben doesn't and is, you know, is really kind of an asset to this team more so. But I don't know. I think. I think if Kalen Addison keeps playing well, or or if they think he's played, saw how well he's played the last two games, I think like that had happened with Matt Boldy, who's came in and showed really well. I would think, or at least I would hope that they would maybe realize, hey, he, he's earned the spot to stay in for now for a while. But I mean, obviously, like, like Brett said, we'll see uh, come Friday night and Saturday uh, who's in the lineup and all that. Yeah, like for me, it's like Addison's out there. He's a great skater. He can keep up with with all the guys on the ice. He plays in mm-hmm. your power play. Jordy Ben the other night played seventeen minutes, had two shot. Like he's blocking shots basically because the pucks in his defensive zone the whole game. Um, wasn't doing anything <laughs> really to push pace up the ice. Was outshot, attempted fourteen to twenty one. He was like one of the only players that was routinely just getting hemmed in the defensive zone all night like for a big guy only threw on like one hit i just just like i it's just he doesn't move the needle for me and like to me it's like which team which player of those two gives you the best chance to win every night i think it's got to be addison until you know something if you know if all of a sudden a crack shows okay we need a coach from this area send him to iowa have work on this i get that or you know whether it's salary implications or what but I don't think their salary cap. I don't have them in front of me, and I don't think their cap hits are too different because I think Jordy Ben's on the league minimum or pretty close oh. to it, and Addison's on his rookie deal, which I think is somewhere that'll be either like eight five or nine two five somewhere in there. So the cap. I mean, the only thing that really affects it is probably that two way. You know, we can slide them back and forth without waivers thing, but yeah, I don't know. Well, Dean, if you're listening, as we know you sometimes do, because sometimes you do things right after we talk about <laughs> on the podcast. So if you're listening, don't bench Kalen Addison on Monday on Hockey Day. Let him play on Hockey Day. Um, I suppose that's maybe where we 100%. could go next. Let's see. I don't know what I had on our list here. Talk a little bit about Hockey Day. Um, I mean, yeah, why not? Let's talk about Hockey Day a little bit. Okay. We're going to jump sure. around. Who cares? Organization's not important tonight. Yeah. Um, so yeah, it, it's you know Wild got a two game home and home against the Blackhawks <laughs> Friday Saturday, um, in Chicago on Friday back at home for Hockey Day. 
um, which is down in the great city of Mankato, home of the best college hockey team in the state of Minnesota, the University of Minnesota State University Mankato Mavericks. Such a mouthful. Um, <laughs> just had to get that in there, though. But uh, <laughs> they will be playing. I think the Mavericks will be playing uh, St. Thomas, which will, if it's anything like the first series we played them, is going to be an absolute bloodbath. <laughs> um, but um, and then the uh, yeah. so that'll be kind of one of the featured games. And then the Wild will be. I think it's a it's an eight o'clock start. Yeah, yeah. I think it's an eight yeah, o'clock I think start. It usually is on hockey. with the hockey day. Yeah. So. Um, haven't seen Chicago yet this year, um, so it should be kind of a fun weekend, especially with the back-to-back because we know that's a rivalry there. But um, should be, I think, two games mm-hmm. the Wild should go in feeling confident about winning, especially um, getting some key pieces back. We talked about likely Spurgeon back on Saturday. Um, sounds like Talbot could start one of the two games, so it sounds like he's expected to be back. And then, uh, of course, the, the really big get back is, as we talked about earlier, uh, Jewel Erickson Eck will return to the lineup um, Friday as well, cleared – was removed from COVID protocols today. So got another week to rest up from the injury as well. So yeah, the the forward lines are looking great. We talked about yeah. them last week. And then of course the, uh, the reverse jinx went into effect and Eck got put on protocol. So we didn't get to see those lines, <laughs> but now it sounds like we'll be able to see him. So um, any, anything in particular guys, storylines, I think we kind of hit on a lot of, but just things you're excited for yeah. um, with this upcoming weekend against Chicago. I mean, obviously hockey day Minnesota is one of the best days of the year. You get, hockey all day long you get the high school hockey the college the pro you just <clears throat> get the whole shebang it's just too bad we don't have nate prosser to score the game winning goal but one day um, <laughs> <laughs> uh, the only thing i i will say is i wish one of the mankato teams got a game on hockey day minnesota it is uh east grand forks versus prior lake on hockey day the actual Min- hockey day minnesota i, I kind of wish it was one of the Ma- mankato high school teams but you think you know, it'd be a perfect like east weird. versus west scenario wouldn't yeah. you like You'd think so, but yeah. I, I don't know. Whatever, yes. whatnot. But yeah, I'm just looking forward to see <laughs> how we stack up against Chicago. Obviously, they're not the Chicago of what they used to be. I mean, they still have the Taze and Kane and Debrinket, but I mean, I'd like to see four points out of this weekend against them because I mean, anything can happen. But we're we're the better team right now, and, and get all the points you can. Yeah. I want to see them <clears throat> just torch flurry. Yes. I want to see him go for a windmill glove save and miss it or something, or just let up some stupid embarrassment. Like, I know he's the most likable guy ever. He just, like, just like, he just annoys me. Like, you don't have to be that flashy. Like, there was one, there there was a save Kakanen made in one of the games. He's either Anaheim or Colorado. Like, made, like, a really nice glove save Mm -hmm. in my head. I'm going, if Fleury made that save, he would have, like, done, like, a 180-degree arm fling, like, showing he had the puck in his glove, and Kakanen's, like, caught it. like, yeah, I do this every day. Like, dude. I like you've been there before, dude. Yeah. Like you're one of the best to ever play the position. You don't have to show off anymore. Come on. Right. <laughs> yeah, I mean, hey, he, the one thing we do know about Flurry is that historically in his career in Minnesota, he's not uh, played particularly well. So yeah. hopefully, on uh, at home on the Saturday, you'll get that wish. Although it'd be nice too to win in Chicago because, as we know, the Wild, you know, can actually win in Chicago when it's during the regular season, not yep. the playoffs. You know, they can't do that, but. Yeah, I wonder yeah, if no, we'll I see think... is Lankin and healthy. Is he still their backup? Yeah, like they I have think, somebody else there been... too now. Yeah, I, I guess I don't remember, but I don't think he's been nearly as good this year as he was oh. last year. But, but yeah, I know. Like you guys said, uh, Flurry is you know the X factor. He's not been fantastic this year, but like the rest of Chicago, after they started off horribly, they've been kind of average for the last you know month and a half. So. But, I mean, as Justin said, you know, I think obviously the Wild would be favored in both of these games. And, you know, I, I think obviously I don't think it would be a failure if you didn't get four points out. Like, But but obviously it's a game, two games against an opponent back-to-back that you, you are clearly better than, and especially a divisional opponent team like Chicago on an important day in the state would be a, great to get the, you know, the, the two points because, as we know, the Wild have games in hand a lot of the teams because of the cancellations and postponements, but, uh, you know, the games in hand uh, don't really matter unless you win those games in hand mm-hmm. for the most part. So it'll just be a, it'll just be fun to have two games so close to each other, not five, six, seven days apart. Like, you know, we've been used to going with the football like schedule where they play Sunday and they don't play till Saturday. So yeah, uh, lots Seriously. of, it'll, it'll be nice, especially with the, uh, the schedule release for February that we saw today too. Yeah. yeah I will say, Oh, I just had a quick update on Lankin. Yeah, so, yeah. Um, if he does start one of the games, he hasn't played since December 18th. 
Um, but he's one of the only the other goalie they have on the roster hasn't played an NHL game, so I'm assuming it's like their taxi squad guy. Um, he's played seven games going back to October 29th and has given up four or more goals in four of those seven, and has only won twice <laughs> against Montreal or no, excuse me, sorry, St. Louis and Nashville. So divisional games, but it's been shredded otherwise, basically. So I would imagine they probably won't start Flurry back to back. Maybe they do. I don't know, but. To get Lankin in one of the nights, Caprice's gonna feast. Yes. <laughs> All right, Justin. Sorry to cut you off. Oh no, I was just, I was just gonna say, um, Bart. I don't know what I was gonna say. <laughs> <laughs> I just lost my train of thought again. I guess it's one of those nights. All right. Um. I guess the other thing, speaking of goalies, I want to talk about. We talked a little bit about just how good. Um, Capo Kakinen mm-hmm. has been, but I just wanted to get your guys' thoughts because to me, he's earned the right to be more than a backup now. I think unless something changes going forward, like it needs to be, it needs to be no more of Cam Talbot five six straight games and Kakinen mm-hmm. one. I mean, it, mm-hmm. I, it in my opinion, it should be a fifty fifty split. I know they probably won't do that, but at like at a minimum, a sixty forty split between Talbot and Kakinen. I think now at the end of the season. Unless Kakinen just kind of like crashes back to earth, which I just the way he's playing, I just don't see how it happens. No, I mean it seems like Kakinen's one of those goalies too that the more starts he gets, I mean obviously with anyone, the more starts he gets, the better he looks. If he sits on the bench for a while and starts a game here and there, he he doesn't look as good. Obviously, he's you know he plays in practice, but he doesn't get that game action that he needs. And, and I think you're right; he does does need more starts and you know rest Talbot more than he does get rested keep each goalie fresh for the playoffs and yeah i just i think honestly when talbot comes back you ride the hot hand i mean agreed i don't want to overplay either one but a 60 40 50 50 split would would be nice Hmm. yeah i I agree with you uh with on that justin because you know i mean obviously you know i I think it's still fair to say that Talbot is going to be their top goalie choice, obviously going later in the season, but I think that's a great point. But... Yes, well, I mean, we can argue about whether he's <laughs> worthy of that, but, uh, you know, I think I agree because, you know, obviously, like Brett mentioned, he just looks pretty confident and calm right now, like what he does when he's playing well. Just doesn't look like, you know, to be too shaken or scrambling around in his net or anything like that. And I think, you know, like Justin said, if you do ride him now while he's hot, you know, you get his best games if you know he keeps putting up a nine thirty something save percentage, nine forty save percentage every game. I mean, it's kind of take him out anyways. And, and I agree with I just agree with you guys because we've seen. You I mean you see it with every backup goalie, but we especially saw it with them. You know, last year so when you're in the backup and you know you go in there once every sometimes two or three weeks, you think okay, even if I if I play well, maybe I'll get more starts. But regardless of whether you know if I play well, I might still might not get you know, a start for another two weeks or, and if I don't play well, it might be even longer than that. And obviously that's just, you know, goaltending is obviously a very, you know, it's a kind of a, it's a mental position. You gotta be, you know, you gotta be strong uh, mentally and confident in yourself to be good at it. But yeah, no, I, I agree. I think he's a, you know, in some of these Colorado games and against Washington, he's, you know, really kept them. He's done more than just be average. He's kept them in games. And uh, you know, I mean, you're going to need, Two goalies, obviously. I mean, I know the NHL isn't testing asymptomatic players anymore, but you know, COVID could still be an issue. Injuries could still be an issue, and uh, and we see it more and more nowadays with teams that uh, a lot a lot of teams now and now more and more will have more of a tandem rather than just the you know like with a lot of the fears go play Devin Dubnik sixty five games a year and wear him out by playoff time. But yeah, I know he's I mean, there's not, not more to say. He's been pretty fantastic every game, and even in the ones he's given up three goals on. So. Yeah. The other uh, big bit of news today, all of the Wilds postponed games have been rescheduled. Um, they will be in an absolute gauntlet, basically, coming out of the All-Star break, yeah. playing 40 games in the final 77 days of the season, which doesn't take quick math to do uh, 77 divided by 2, meaning every other day is uh, less than 40. So more than every other day, basically. Just insane yeah. Um, so I think they're going to probably enjoy, you know, these next two and a half, three weeks here where they're having, you know, three game, three days between games, uh, minus mm-hmm. this upcoming weekend where they'll play three times in four nights before a break, I think, um, before playing 
the Rangers, I think, after Montreal. But uh, it's going to be a gauntlet um, through February, March, and April for the Wild. And this is uh, – I just thought of this while you were saying that. Maybe this is the importance of the depth of getting Bugestead back and Ben being hopefully a seventh D-man and Kacken get more starts is they're going to be playing so many damn games. Yeah. You know, back to back to every other that they're going to need these guys to either, you know, rest guys or, or whatnot and try and keep these guys as fresh as they can. I mean, they're all professionals, but they're humans too. Yep. Yeah. I mean, yeah, obviously it's it's tough, but, you know, as Dean Evison said to Russo today, you know, he said, it's great, it's great. We get to play hockey. Why not? The guys will embrace it. And I think, you know, that's the, uh, just the culture they've built there. And, uh, and I mean, you know, from a fan's perspective, it'll, you know, even if it tires them out, it'll be nice to have games to watch every day or two and, you know, just have a lot of hockey on in the best part of the year going to the spring. Yeah, and I just want to thank them for uh, only scheduling. Looks like I'm only going to miss one game while on vacation at the end of February. <laughs> so just want to give them a shout out for like the one break they have in the whole time being when I'm on vacation, maybe not able to watch. But um, that's why they did it. Yep. They, uh, they heard they, they said, hey, Brett, Brett won't be around these these four or five days. Yeah. We shouldn't we should only play once. I should get Brett on the phone too when he's going on vacation. Yeah. We'll schedule around it. And also moving the Canes game to a Saturday. It was originally supposed to be like a Tuesday, I think, and now it's a Saturday. And I'm on the glass mm-hmm. that night. So sweet. Up up awesome. close and, and personal with Nino again. Um, which the anniversary of that trade I believe was t- Monday, Tuesday. I think it might have been Monday. I think it was yeah, it was the day of the game against yep. Colorado. Yeah. So. so that was the uh, the anniversary of that. So brought back some painful mm-hmm. memories, but um all right. I think we're ranting at this point. That's probably a good place to wrap <laughs> it up for yep. the day. Um, Zeke, why don't you remind everyone where they can find, uh, you and all of your work? Um, you can find me, uh, as usual on Twitter at, uh, Zeke Boyat, and you can find my work at, uh, Justin. I just want to add one thing. I thought we were going to try and get it to like a millisecond to the, the call <laughs> cutting off, but, uh, <laughs> yeah, for back, Anyways. yeah, for backstory, um, we use Google meets to record our podcast and they cap you at an hour and uh, our show two weeks ago, I think we finished up with about five seconds left in our hour. And then uh, last week, I think we literally hit it on like a half a second. Um, this week, we're sitting at like two minutes right now. So we're in a good spot right now. Oh, That's yeah. the backstory there, folks. Anyways, you can find me at DEs2004. You can find me at Kaprizov C with Kaprizov Countdown. You can find me at MNW Prospects at MNW Young Guns. And you can find me on Twitter, as always, at B underscore Marsh 92. Be sure you are following the podcast account as well, both on Twitter and Instagram, at Sound the Foghorn, all one word, three games, actually, before our next podcast, which seems like a miracle. Um, two against <laughs> Chicago, one of those Hockey Day Minnesota on Saturday, and the Montreal Canadiens uh, mixed in there as well after the back-to-back. Um, so should be a fun, fun week. Hopefully a great podcast for you next week with some more bottom feeder teams. Hopefully talking about some wild wins. Um, but until then, this has been another episode of 